Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Quentin Branch and Brian Warren are talented hip-hop MCs and lyricists who met and began collaborating together in the city of Chicago, Illinois. Two years after their first encounter on a video shoot, they began working together as the impassioned, uncompromising duo Angry Black Men and released their first album, Talk Shit, in 2019. Working with Death Bomb Arc, Angry Black Men released the EP's Headshots and Reality, in 2020 and 2021, respectively. And now they've returned with an explosive breakthrough full-length album. It's called The Legend of ABM. It was released on January 26, 2024, and it prompted Quentin and Brian to connect with me for a talk about things like Santa Fe and the show Better Call Saul, Hard Times in Chicago, and the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Moving away from a place that makes you unhappy rebooting angry black men, musical inspirations, dissing music publications who then give you nice reviews, racism in America and cycles of progress, exploring noise, punk, and pop on hip-hop beats, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where, starting now, 
If you're at the $4 tier or above, you get ad-free episodes. I was giving people early episodes at the $6 tier. That's going to stay at the exclusive content bonus material. But starting now, at the $4 a month tier, no more promos, no ads, clean episodes. So there's lots of other perks uh, in joining the Patreon. You keep me going. This is my sole source of income as I'm speaking to you. So it's a little, whatever, perilous. But uh, I like doing the show and I want to keep doing the show and... Uh, with the support of people just like you, I can. So if you are able to and willing, please visit my Patreon and support Creative Control. Today, there's a link in the show notes there. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who work in those places. But they also have a great website, blackbird.ca, where you can order records directly to your house. Uh, say you want the new uh, Angry Black Men record, The Legend of ABM. Go to blackbird.ca, type up what you're looking for there, and if they've got it and can get it to you, they will. It's just that simple. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 838 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Angry Black Men with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Quentin, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, happy to be here. It's nice to have you here. Where in the world are you? I am in, I'm close to Santa Fe, New Mexico right now. Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was not expecting that answer for some reason. How long have you been there? <laughs> Very close to it. <laughs> what has it been now? It's been like two and a half years now that I've been in New Mexico. Where? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, th- this is not exactly germane, but I've been, my wife and I are just about to finish watching that show, The Curse. Have you seen that show? Oh, yeah. I haven't, but I heard good things about it. Yeah, it's really good. Canadian Nathan Fielder and then that Emma Stone are the stars of it. And it's uh, it's really creepy and weird. And we watched the, as I'm speaking to you, we just watched the uh, ninth of the tenth. Uh, there's ten episodes. We watched the ninth one last night. And we, every time we watch it at night, we have nightmares. We, we, go, oh, we yeah. have the whole worst sleeps ever. It's very creepy, but it's set, I think, in New Mexico. And you might enjoy it. Obviously... We all know Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Did you watch those shows? I see. I love Breaking Bad. I haven't seen yes. Better Call Saul yet. Okay, listen to me. I, I, you sound like I sounded before I watched Better Call Saul because you're like because <laughs> you say that people say that you're like oh why would I watch this spinoff? That seems dumb, right? That's what you think. Is that what you think? I heard it's good, but I, initially I thought like it wasn't as good as Breaking Bad, but I heard it's actually probably better. It is better. I've watched. Okay. I, I just want to say that people who listen to the show know I go off about this, but it's rare that I talked to someone who actually lives in New Mexico, so forgive me. That show is unbelievable. It's bad. It's more complicated than Breaking Bad because they're doing all this temporal time shifting and and historical storytelling and future. It's amazing. I think, based on what I can tell from you guys, uh, what you love about film and literature, it, unbelievable. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let me just recommend, if, if you leave this conversation with anything, it's a wreck to please watch Better Call Saul as soon as possible. You'll you'll be addicted, I tell you. I've watched it last year. What year is it? 2024. Last year, I watched the whole series twice. I rewatched Ooh. it. I loved it so much, I rewatched it. Like I watched it when it was done, and then I rewatched it again. I just loved it. So, sorry. I didn't mean to go off about that. Why? why no, what, what, what brings you to Santa Fe? What brought you, I should say, to Santa Fe? It was a long story, but I really wanted to clear my mind and see new things. That's the... The bottom line of that. Brian's still in Chicago, though. Right. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> that must be tough. We'll we'll find out from Brian in just a just a moment. But uh, you, like you alluded to, are you from originally from Chicago? 
I was born in Florida, and but I spent a lot of time in Chicago and the Chicago suburbs. So, yeah, I love it. It's it's like it's my home. I love Chicago. I love Illinois. I love the Midwest, despite all of its flaws. Nice. Wow, you lived all over the uh, over a good chunk of the United States. That's interesting. You must have some interesting perspectives on it. Like I say, I hope we get to that as we talk about this music you make, because uh, I can. So it, feels, it feels like a very American, uh, experientially, it feels like a very American record, if that makes sense. Hmm. Does that resonate with you? I think so. Yeah. I personally think so. Okay. Well, again, it's nice to have you on the show. Also on the line here, Brian, are you there? Yes, sir. Very nice to meet you, Brian. Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Um, <laughs> I've been here all my life. <laughs> nice. No, I love Chicago. Lots of, I have lots of guests on this show from Chicago, so it's uh, good. How are things going in Chicago generally, would you say? Pretty much terrible every day, you know, with violence and people don't know how to drive, but it's okay. And, you know, just the tax is huh? too high. Oh my so, God. It sounds, that doesn't sound good at all. I mean, most of us know the city of Chicago from the movie The Fugitive. Is it anything like that? I've never Fugitive? seen the movie The Fugitive, oh. so I'll have to watch it. Really? You've never seen, to- you've never seen it. It's, it's wonderful. It's a, sorry guys, I don't want to keep going on about things I've seen millions of times. Fugitive is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Also, um, famously Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Have you ever seen that, Brian? Yeah, I've seen Ferris Bueller. Some people really hate Ferris Bueller as a character, but did, did you did you like that movie? Yes, I love the movie. Okay, good. And is it do people in Chicago like it? Because it really shows it shows off Chicago like few movies I can think of. I think it's like accepted in certain spaces of people. Like, can we curse on here or no? No curse. You can curse. You can curse all the fuck you want. I don't give a shit. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> I think Ferris Bueller. In my opinion, I don't know how you feel about this, Brian. I think there's a certain group of people. Not saying you know, like race or anything or class, but it's a certain type of person that really loves that movie. Like yeah. if I go to my like my average Chicago nigga, they're gonna be like, "What Ferris? What?" Yeah. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> but I like it. It's good. I've seen it. I've seen it like one time. So. Yeah. That was a very. I was very impressionable when I first saw that movie, and uh, my the people at my mom's work started calling me Ferris because I would try to skip school all the time. Mm. So if I called her workplace, they'd be like, "Oh, what does Ferris want today?" That's what happened to me. So anyway, it's a, it's good. Uh, Brian, is there a movie or a TV show or something that most people in Chicago would agree is a good reflection of Chicago these days? We're all talking about the Bear. Uh, as being a really mm-hmm. Chicago-centric sure. thing. Brian, does anything in pop culture about Chicago resonate with you in particular? No, I don't watch TV that much. So. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. That's I was like, fair. damn, this nigga ain't seen a bear. I was like, ah, oh, shit, he ain't watched it. I tried to put him on it. So you, you tried, but right. I, my life be so busy, I don't have time to watch TV. I wish I did. Yeah. And when I do... I'm still trying to catch up on Brotherhood, man. I'm oh, trying to catch up. You talking about Full Metal Alchemist? <laughs> yes. Oh, you still finished that? Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, man, my- it's hard to keep up with all the shows. I'll give you that in the movies. Remember there was a time? I've, it feels like it's calming down now, but it felt like everyone was always talking about something, and you'd be like, how do you have time to watch all that shit? I don't have time mm-hmm. to do anything, you know? Like, you have these... You watch the Emmys, you're like, or the Oscars, or whatever. You're like, I haven't heard of one thing. It's getting a bit better for me. I think things are slowing down or something yeah. for me in my life. But Brian, I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, as I, as I, Quick I question I, though, yeah, yeah. 
with you being a father, how do you have time to watch? Yeah. All of these things. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a really good question. Brian, you've got the questions today and that's a good one. I got, <laughs> I got, I got two kids as a matter of fact. And that to me, when they were, they're, they're now 12 and nine and they're just, they're just starting to occupy their own time and we don't have to check up on them that much. Like we're, you know, don't get me wrong. We feed them. We clothe them. We know what they're up to, but they're kind of doing their own thing more. And I think we have time to watch shows again. That's how I, it's, it's a really good question. It's very astute. And the answer is they've just gotten a little bit older. So there was a huge chunk of shows that I missed and movies that we missed because we did not have the time. And then when we did have the time, we were too tired. And, you know, mm. ba- based on your lyrics uh, on, on this record, both of you guys, I think you're familiar with the grind of uh, trying to work all day at some shitty job while you're trying to tend to your passion, what you really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I've been through all of that stuff, and uh, I am going through that as we speak. And uh, I feel like this is a nice segue into talking about uh, the motivations and the inspirations for this wonderful and powerful new album of yours. Let me just say to each of you, uh, congratulations on this great new record. I hope you're you're feeling good about it. I Thank really you. am. Thank you. I am too. I think it's I think it's pretty good. <laughs> well, no, it's more than that. It's it's really something that uh, resonates with me. I've really been enjoying it. But like I say, I mean, Brian, your answer. I just asked you a benign question. How are things in Chicago? And you said not great. Actually, not that great. And there's a there's a theme that I pick up on an underlying an undercurrent of that on this record, and uh, about uh, depression and hardship and and racism. And as empowering as it is, I feel that pain uh, come through. Brian, can you talk a little bit about maybe what I'm talking about for the people, and and within that, what maybe inspired some of the lyrics on this record? Yes. Um. Well, like the lyrics, pretty much came out of me just dealing with all the struggles and the the stresses that I have dealing with just my family or just for this album, I went back and pulled up old traumatical notes that I wrote to myself like years ago. And, you know, this has just been in Chicago. I haven't gotten a chance to really get out like, you know, Q has to move away and get a different perspective so and that that's why you know he comes so hard on the album because he, he's in, in a different part of the world with different vibe of people you know i've been with this same vibe of people for all my life so it's like i don't know me and him sit on the, on the phone and we talk about like the midwest vibes versus like the the east coast vibes and you know we've been blessed to go on tour and experience the different coast of vibes and it, it's Honestly, I rather I dig the Midwest. I, I dig the West Coast vibes more than the Midwest vibes. If you get what I'm saying, I do. Yeah, no, I do. Just, I think I'm like uh, what am I? People's attitude. Southern West or something? West South? I don't know. What is, yeah. what is, what is that? I don't you, know if you're in if you're in New Mexico, you're in the Southwest. South. There we go. Southwest yeah. vibes. There we go. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like the attitudes here. You people look at you crazy. You know, you might get shot in traffic because I've been on. The expressway with plenty of shootouts. I've been in the shootout my, myself personally, coming from the west side of Chicago. And, you know, thank God I made it out of that. I Me mean, just seeing trauma, kids getting shot, seeing bodies, you know, on the ground. I saw them last week alive. Now they, next week they're dead, you know, from yeah. whatever they've gotten into. And I don't know. I pretty much 
was all over the place on the album with my feelings, I feel like. So yeah, that's, that's really my little take on it. No, and I appreciate that, Brian. And I'm sorry you went through that and are going through that. I don't, you know, I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm going to get into it with you right away. Have you thought about moving? Have you thought about <sighs> leaving this place that's so hard for you? Yes, I've thought about it several times. I actually want to just to get out and experience different parts of the world and, you know, come back. Cause I know this is, this is home for me, you know, so you, you can't get away from home and be like, ah, skip home. I don't need to visit that again. I'm too good for that. Yeah. It's like, no, I would want to come back and not every part of Chicago is bad. It's just, I've been in the bad parts. No, it, it, but it does sound like it weighs on you uh, personally. And I pick up on that in your lyrics and I just want to say, yeah. like, wow. it makes me a little, I, again, I don't know you at all. But when I hear an artist express things like this, I get a little concerned. There are numerous uh, references to suicide and suicide ideation and these sorts of things. By the way, everyone, this is an amazing record. It's not a bummer, but it's real and it's personal. And I just want to say, Brian... I hope you do find the, I assume you got family in Chicago. That's one of the reasons keeping you there. Yes. I got a lot of family here. Well, you can always, you know, I'm from Ontario originally moved to Alberta. You can go back, you can visit, you can move back. I mean, it just seems to me, and again, I'm not your doctor, but it does seem to me that maybe getting out and, and experiencing different things, you know, maybe heading towards Quentin, maybe it would be good for you. What do you think? Mm, I thought about moving like close to Quentin and, you know, I thought about moving into his house because I know he wouldn't mind me coming there. <laughs> uh, nah, just, uh, it, I don't know. It's like that album was like really a, a diary entry for yeah. me because mm -hmm. I, I held on to a lot of stuff that, you know, maybe sit in dark corners in, in the room and be in the dark. You know, it was times he had to come in get me out of the dark room just because like I was in such a slump. Yeah. So, well, like I say, I am very, very sorry to hear this and I hope you find some, some peace and some happiness. Uh, you should be very proud of this music you're making. So that's something I hope, I hope that, you know, lifts your spirits. Uh, by the same token, uh, Quentin, I want to ask you two questions, I guess. One, I want to ask yeah. you about your own um, thoughts about your own lyrics and your approach to writing uh, the music on this record. But within what we were just talking about, I wonder if you can provide your own perspective on what Brian's talking about in terms of what he brought to the record. Um, is it possible for you to talk about yourself and your perspective on Brian's approach to uh, making music uh, with uh, this uh, record? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think my lyrics... I we were talking about this the other day. It's really interesting because you can tell before I moved to New Mexico and had a car accident. And then you could tell after it, if you look, listen to certain tracks, I would say. And I would say I started off coming on this album very anti-capitalistic. And then after the car crash, it was very personal. Yeah. So those are my two approaches. Um, yeah. I knew going into this, I wanted to reboot Angry Black Men, uh, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, that shit, Creed, that shit, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, whatever the fuck, 2010's reboot, you want to say? I prefer Creed because I think Creed is the strongest, but <laughs> we wanted to rebrand our name and like make this something that people can connect with and like reintroduce ourselves, essentially. Yeah. So I walked into that knowing that in regards to Brian's 
perspective, I think this album is like a tale of two people. Brian has his own stuff going on. I have my own stuff going on, but we find a way to come in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That sounded that sounded weird. Come in the middle. Grow in the middle. There we go. <laughs> you know, you said it, it's out there now. People can make of that what they will. Uh but you mean grow in the middle. Yeah. Meet uh, middle ground. Middle ground is maybe what we're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. One of the lyrics on uh I think it's the song Sabotage. And I believe mm-hmm. this is Quentin's lyrics uh, that stuck out to me today. Running from the past because I'm still trying to bury it. Is that yours, Quentin? That is me. Yeah, yeah. I know we're kind of talking about our person. Your we're talking about your kind of personal versus, uh, like you say, I guess maybe political outspokenness. What does that line connote for you? It stuck out to me as I was I was listening to your music today as I was. Uh, kind of concentrating on not falling. I was running in the Edmonton snow and I didn't want to slip, hmm. but I, something about listening to music when I'm doing that, I, I, some lyrics will kind of perk my ears a little bit. And that really stuck out for me. Um, maybe I'm making too big a deal of it, but it really, based on what we've just been talking about, I don't know, that kind of sticks out to me. Can you talk about that lyric a little bit? Where did that come from? Running from the past. And I'm still trying to bury it. Life is a dirty bitch. Um, that I just feel like I made a lot of mistakes in the past with like people that I've known and just things I've said and I'm trying to out myself not it's not terrible I murder anybody or it's not illegal but just certain things I've just you know the human experience people make mistakes so that was just me kind of running from the past and I'm still trying to bury it but one day I'm gonna have to face that so well it's interesting yeah, to acknowledge to face, it, you know, for someone to acknowledge that they're trying to bury their past but to say that out loud, that's telling. Like, it doesn't sound like you're afraid of the past. You want to deal with it. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's what that bar was. I'm like running from things I've done. Yeah. Mostly just, I don't know, the, I guess the person that I was in Chicago versus who I became now, uh, as corny as that sounds. Because it's weird listening to this album because it's like, I was like, it's like it was a two-year process to make it, and I'm not really even that person anymore. I am that I was on that record. So when I listen to, it, I'm like, damn, I was, niggas is going through some stuff. Yeah, but I feel okay now because it's it's the past. Hmm. Like I don't know, time is weird because it's like yeah. Although I still agree with a lot of that, but you know. Yeah. To clarify, when did you guys start working on this uh, record together, Brian? Ooh. We started this probably. In the middle of 2022. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The skeletons were there in 2021, though, but it really started yeah, it was in 2022. Like, yeah, because you were you were gone. I, I was like, because exactly. we started the skeleton on the phone, and then like when you came, that's when I started counting the actual time put in on the album because we started inputting and stuff started sticking. I see. You know, we had them rough drafts from Derek. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. about August. So yeah, I would say 2022 for sure. And you had already moved. Yeah, because I moved at the end of 2021. Okay. So when you say you were two different people or you were a different person than you were in Chicago, can you elaborate upon that? Like what makes you, what what distinguishes the two cues? I think the one in Chicago was like just not really confident and kind of reliant on alcohol and in a shitty relationship. And morbidly obese. <laughs> yeah, he was just a, he was a physically and mentally different different person. Because since then, I just stopped drinking. I go to the gym now. I'm more mm. confident about who I am and my future. 
especially now that things are, I don't want to say taking off like Jay-Z or anything, but catching a lot more traction, I'm just happier. And do you think the change of scenery is the main factor oh, in all that? Yeah, that too. Absolutely. When you're in a different place, it's like, I don't know, you just see things differently. People are different. Chicago is very Blade Runner-esque. I know I make a lot of references to Philip K. Dick and Blade Runner, but it is true. It's yeah. very like a post-apocalyptic, futuristic, whatever istic you want to put on that. And here is more kind of, I don't want to say stuck in the past, but you can feel the time period in some places. You can in yeah. Chicago too. I'm not taking that away, but New Mexico has a lot of history that people don't even realize. Like the Wild Wild West was here back in the day. You know, cow, real cowboys. Um, they used to shoot movies here. They still do. It's just such a mecca of like history, and it's one of those states that they call they call it a minority majority. So it's mm-hmm. like Atlanta, Georgia is mostly black, or yeah, Georgia in general is mostly black, but New Mexico is mostly Hispanic too. So it's just a different, you know, yeah. Vibe. And New Mexico also has a large indigenous population and a, and a very uh, storied indigenous history too. So you're really immersed in American history. There, uh, the good parts and the bad, I suppose. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting in itself. So, Brian, I don't mean to recall this, but we're talking about someone whose attitude and outlook in life has changed by making a significant geographical change. From, yeah. And I don't mean to even keep... Listen, I'm not from the anti-Chicago tourism board. I'd be happy if you stayed in Chicago. It's a great city. It's, from my perspective, it is a great city, although I don't live there, and it sounds like it's been hellish for you as well. When you sort of contemplate the Quentin you knew in Chicago compared to the Quentin who's on the call with us today. What do you see as the major distinctions, if I may ask? Oh, well, (laughs) he's a lot more calmer now because he used to be on edge a lot back in the day. And that like took a toll on like, you know, the executive decisions amongst the business and stuff like that. And just impersonal, you know, he's a lot more open to like different things hmm. that that we would do because back then he would be like no 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 I won't do that or he'd, he'd just be he seemed irritated a lot yeah <laughs> yeah and that's that's mainly what I pulled out of that yeah with with him just moving and starting calming the alcohol down all of that stuff Brian were you ever worried about him yeah I was worried about him whoa really a lot actually yeah. Hmm. In, Sorry, know, guys. He, this isn't an in, this isn't an intervention or a counseling session. I'm just I'm just trying to get some insight as to your relationship in this band. I hope this isn't too personal. No. Okay. Good. Good. So you were worried about him, uh, and do you hear a shift in him as a lyricist, as a musician, as well in in the move? Heck yeah! Oh yeah. heck yeah! I heard a big shift in like his bars. His bars started like, well, he he always kind of had it. He was always strong, but you can tell when somebody's getting stronger and stronger. I know that. And yeah. it 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 was like if he had he stayed here, I don't think the album would be what it is because he wouldn't have a uh he would have a Chicago perspective written down. Yeah. It would be on paper, it would be on the phone, it would, it'll be in his head. You yeah. feel me? Yeah. Me, I I've bounced around from Chicago and and been in many different suburbs and like that's how I still was able to keep my weight on the album too. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, for the next, next project we do, I do want to get out more and 
experience the world a little more. And, you know, that's that's going to be, you know, on my finances and whenever I get that, you know, ready. But going back to your other question, yeah, I was I was really worried about him back in the day because he asked me, he said, you think moving to New Mexico is the biggest thing, is the best thing for me? And back then I was I was at my mom's. I, I couldn't help him out. I couldn't. And I told him, yes. And I, I could have kept him here because I saw the trajectory of what we were doing. Yeah. But I was like, no, he needs to clear his spine. I want him to go find a nice, lovely lady that he can focus in on and, you know, sit in the mountains and, you know, just get a different look on life and, you know, just get out of here. Because at the time, it's just the attitude of the people, the type of friends that I had around me back then it just wasn't wasn't cutting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a nice story in this regard. You, you guys clearly care about each other. And I want to ask you about where this relationship began uh, as collaborators. But, uh, Brian, you mentioned bars there. I would be remiss if I didn't compliment you on your own uh, lyrical prowess and your bars. Stanley Kub- That Stanley Kubrick song, like when that Kubrick song comes on, I'm just like, oh, shit. It's like, it's like Andre 3000 or something. Like, what the hell? This guy's amazing. <laughs> Uh, and I just want to—it's a remarkable display, and there's lots of great rapping on this record. So many flows and whatnot, man. It's just great. So I don't know. Are you a fan of? Sorry to digress. Uh, Brian, are you a particular fan of any? Like, do you have like inspirations as a as a rapper? Yeah, my inspiration was the guy you said, Andre 2000, <laughs> uh, Kendrick Lamar, Lil Wayne. I've grew up on them. Kanye West. Nowadays, Earl Sweatshirt, I listen to him a lot. I listen to uh, Mike. I listen to a lot of like lyrical artists that would definitely make me think, sit there and be like, well, I got to play this back. I, and I find different things out of the verse each time I play it back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted that for myself, yeah. essentially. Well, I, I don't know if it's worth anything coming from me, but you know, I feel like you're on it. Like It's amazing. I, I really appreciate you rapping on this. And you too, you too, Quentin. Uh, similar question. Do you have particular uh, sort of inspirations as an MC? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's not it's not cool to say it no more, but I don't, I don't care. Kanye, Kanye is well, the Well, you know, you're from Chicago, so I assume you might have a different perspective on on Ye than some of yeah. us do. Just for the just for the record, so you know this. I saw him. Every time he came to Canada, every time he came to Ontario, so I would you're, see you're him. Fan? Okay, I I I was a fan. He so it's was. very I, hard again, now. My I understand. I understand. my son is my son is discovering him peripherally. My son just got super into Jay Z because I played mm-hmm. him something, and now he wants to. He knows all the. It's weird. My son picks up lyrics quickly, so we were even just listening to the Blueprint Three. He's become obsessed with that. And mm. which was a big record. That's when I got to meet Jay Z briefly, uh, when he came to the like the public broadcaster in Toronto when I lived in Ontario. So I and I saw him that same night on that tour, and I'd seen him. I saw him on the uh, when did I see him? I saw him on the Hard Knock Life tour. It was the oh, first time I saw him. Okay. So with the That's with DMX is- and Meth Meth and Redman played, and it was, it was it was remarkable. Anyway, I saw I've I've seen a lot of stuff. Anyway, my point is this. It's hard, my son. I, 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 I can't. Can you reconcile the Kanye West that we loved with who he is now? Is that easy for you to do? Do you even think about that, Quentin? 
it's not easy, but I, I definitely understand. I think because I'm such a fan of this this artist and his uh, journey, I kind of see how this person would. Because I mean, it's always kind of been there, even if you watch old interviews. But I kind of see the why it would be this. I, I see the turnout, and I'm not like saying I'm a fan of all the stuff he said or done, but. Sometimes for me, it's just like, this guy is like, man, when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the greats. Like, I mean, he is, but they're going to be like, this is like one of the Michael Jacksons. He's going to be up there when he passes knock on wood, in my opinion, is one of the greats. And he definitely has a lot of flaws, in my opinion. But I like other artists, too. I'm a big Tyler fan. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler, the creator. Kendrick, of course. MF Doom. If It's really Kanye and MF Doom for me. Those two. So bizarre. Like, uh, my son my son is 12 and he and his friends love Doom. Just uh, love him. Yeah. <laughs> they love yeah, Doom him. Is, and I, Doom is great. I told him I I I'm I think I'm on like the Doom Wikipedia cuz I reviewed there was this show I went to Toronto to see it was supposed to be uh Most Deaf uh uh-huh. and uh Doom and in Toronto uh and it just went haywire. This was when he was getting Doom was getting like impersonators. Oh yeah. To show up the and doom. no one knew and it was the show was like three and a half hours late and and most dropped out. It was chaos. Absolute Ooh. chaos. But anyway, my son it's interesting. My son and his friends, twelve years old, Kendrick, Doom, they're starting to figure out Kanye and I'm a little worried. Although I did <laughs> I, vo- I voluntarily Yeah, I voluntarily played him a bit of Watch the Throne uh in the oh. car the other day and he loved it. So yeah, I'm going to have to deal with all this shit. Anyway, I can hear those influences uh, there as well. Let's get to uh sorry to go on and on guys. I just uh I'm a fan of your music and I I like talking about my kids. I'm sorry. It's my fault. My my they love they love rap music. You good, dude. So, uh let's get to the origin story a little bit. Quinn, I'm going to start with you. How did you two, uh, you and Brian meet? And from from there, maybe I'll ask Brian the same questions, but from there how did we get here to Angry Black Men? Hmm. We met in 2014 at a music video shoot that I was doing back when I was doing my solo stuff. I'm not going to say what it was. It's so corny. Very odd future um, inspired. Hmm. But we met there because we had a mutual friend. And we kind of stayed in contact. And we were just friends and just... I wouldn't say like really close friends, but I would just see him in, around for like the next two years. We would like hang out every blue moon. In like 2015 and 2016 but towards the end of 2016 he was like hey we should start a duo and I was like nah I thought that was corny it's like nah man and, and, and what made me even like more like hesitant and I don't know if you remember this Brian we had just watched straight out of Compton I was like nah <laughs> No, this ain't no 80s corny ass. I like uh, NW. I'm just saying it wasn't in 2016 that wasn't a popular thing to, to be in was a duo you know what I'm saying? Or a group in, in that time. And then oh, okay. I gave it some time. And I gave it some time and I was like, what would you call it? He was like, man, we should call it Mad Black Men. I was like, corny, cheese, get that shit out of here. No. <laughs> I was like, what about angry black men? And then he was like, ooh. And I was like, that's something to think about. And then huh. in tw- the next year, 2017, it just came together. So it was two years building up to that. But I want to say this. The logo for Angry Black Man was actually for my solo stuff. And I got that inspiration from an MF Doom group. Or he was in a group before he was MF Doom. It was called KMD. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. this. You probably are. Mm-hmm. But I just put my own spin on it, essentially. And I had the logo for at least two years. 
just sitting on me because I loved how it looked. I'm like, ooh. So it just kind of happened that the angry black men shit came together with it. I see. Brian, mm-hmm. I want to ask you why that name came to mind. But I also, since we're on the topic, I want to ask you if you can help me distinguish between whether a better name is mad black men or angry black men. What do you think? Uh, well, I came with mad black men because I was just, it was like a fresh thought. It, it was really fresh for me. And I was really anxious to get something going. And I didn't know what to call the group. And when he's like angry, I was still even skeptical. Of, I was like, well, I said, ooh, I was still a little skeptical. I was like, uh, I don't know. It's, I even asked my mom, I'm like, mom, you like the name angry black man? She, nah, that sounds like it's going to make a lot of white people mad and not like to mess with y'all at all. I'm like, uh, all right, cool. Let's go with yeah. it. Then. Yeah. <laughs> and that, it wasn't on that. It was more of like, it sounds different and it sounds weird and it sounds like you don't know what's about to come at you. Yeah. I, I mean, Quentin, when you heard the name from Brian and decided you didn't quite like it, were you worried you were going to create another angry black man? <laughs> no, I wasn't worried. Um, <laughs> when, when he when he said I liked it, I was, I was like, that's a little corny, you know, mad black man. It just didn't really have that. Sure, yeah. I like I liked the idea. But mad black man, I still can't. To this day, I can't see that shit. Like I'm just like, no. Nah. But something about yeah, angry, I can't see it. Yeah, something about that word angry. It's like angry black man. That shit just kind of hit, bro. Like I don't know. Then when people say that shit, oh, you're an angry black man, or oh, I love angry black man. I hear that when I hear the name, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I want to, I want to throw in there that like it just seeing it across YouTube and cr- across all the platforms, mm. it looks good. It, does. It, look, it looks so good in all caps and all spelled all yeah. together. Mad black man would have, I don't know, it just wouldn't look good. It would look out of place. No, angry black, <laughs> angry black man's a, a great name, but I can sense that you two were worried. I don't know if you both were, just about the potential uh, gimmicky aspect of it. Like people would just think it was mm. like a, like when you yeah. say corny, I think you're like, maybe people would just be like, uh, they're just trying to get attention. They're trying to get attention. Like they're, they're, it's trying too hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. That actually makes perfect trying sense. Trying too hard is the yeah. exact. But I, I want to yes. add on to this. I want to add on this because I don't want to forget this, this thought. Yeah, in 2016 for sure. But then something changed in the in 2020 mm-hmm. when George Floyd happened and that shit stopped becoming a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think people start taking it way more serious. I, I talk about that all the time. Like, it's two different angry black men perspectives, in my opinion. It's before 2020 and it's after 2020. It's interesting to hear Quentin, I think, said uh, that uh, being in a group or a duo just didn't seem like the, a good fit at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, because there are occasions, you know, I've, we've already invoked Outcast a little bit, at least uh, three stacks. We mentioned Andre. But mm-hmm. then I also hear some dead prez sometimes mm-hmm. in what you're doing. I don't know if you know that group. In fact, because you guys name-checked uh, Gangstar, I played <laughs> my son again. I took my son. We were driving to basketball practice, and I played him that collection, full clip. And he's like, oh, shit. I mean, sorry, if my wife's listening, I didn't let my son curse. Or my parents. <laughs> but he was like, his, he was like, what is this? I've never heard this. I'm like, this is Gangstar. He's like, who is he? I'm like, it's two people. It's it's Guru and DJ Premier. It's like, oh, this is amazing. And now, so I'm just trying to give him a little bit of homework every time he he's he's, he's in the minivan with me and we're driving. I'm like, listen to this, and now he's getting into it. So you reference Gangstar. Mm-hmm. You you clearly must realize that you are entering the pantheon potentially of great duos. 
I don't mean to put too much on you, but Quentin, are you starting to feel yourselves a little bit? Like maybe we can contribute <laughs> to this tradition of amazing duos uh, in hip hop. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think about it sometimes. I don't, I don't think we'll become. I don't know. I don't want to put no cap on it. I do think about it a lot because uh, there's just not a lot of good duos today, in my yeah. opinion. There's a couple. Yeah. I like Arm and Hammer. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Billy Woods and Elucid. I love. Arm I'll ask and my son. My son probably knows all about them, and I'll have to ask him. Oh, okay, yeah, they're dope. <laughs> but outside of them, it's nobody really. I feel like there's no competition. I know there's a group called Paris, Texas that's out, but yeah, that does nothing for me. Like that's not no shots at them. But uh, we're trying to raise. We lyrically trying to raise this shit. We trying to say something. We're not just trying to talk about girls and drugs and whatever. You know, it's like yo, that that'll be an occasional topic, but it's not going to be the topic of conversation. Yeah. Is is something like, because I almost put on Fear of a Black Planet the other day, and mm. I wondered, again, I feel like a lot of my choices in the car with my family are because I've been listening to your record. Mm. Uh, because some of your record might be a little too hard. I played it in the kitchen at breakfast, but I'm like, some of it's too harsh. And we've had mm. to explain, my son understands that uh, you can't say certain words, certain racial epithets. Like, you know, we go through the whole thing. And so uh, we try to contextualize everything for them. But um, Public Enemy, Dead Prez, Brian, do those resonate with uh, you as, if not influences, like politically minded artists? Like, do politically minded artists inspire you guys in any way? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Public Enemy did, mm-hmm. NWA, just a, bun- a bunch of those. And then even Outcast, like, they didn't even talk about you know, boats and, and girls and stuff like that all day. Like, and I don't know. I, I don't really think I talked about it like that either on this album. I feel like I was so focused on just writing so much about my life that it's, it, it, I go back and I listen to other artists and I'm like, how do y'all sit there? Y'all got all this money. I know y'all going through something. Y'all don't want to yeah. talk about it. But when you talk about stuff that seems personal, you're also reflecting your city. And you're reflecting kind of infrastructural issues when it comes to mental health or violence. Like, do you see how there's a connection between you rapping about what seems to be personal and what might be more universal or political based on where you live? And you know what? Yes, I I had a struggle with that because I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to connect with the world with me writing about my own personal struggles and you know, I'm, I got to also uh, appeal to the masses and it's like, how do I, how do I balance that out? So I, I tried the best way that I could come up with that without trying to give away some of the magic tricks or whatever the case may be. I had to go and I had to talk to my age group Yeah, because whatever's going on, whatever's going on between me and one extra person, nine times out of 10 is of larger crowd of people going through the same thing. It might just depend on how you consume uh, culture or media. But when I hear someone, if I know that angry black men are from Chicago and I hear either of you rapping about something personal or hard, I'm going to attribute some of that to life in Chicago. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. So wh- whether you know it or not, I feel like you might be making, if it seems really personal or, I guess the fear might be like, I'm being a narcissist. I'm only talking about myself. But the truth is you're reflecting a truth that 
your whole generation might, you know, understand. I, I guess that's a way of putting it. So uh, that's actually a great way to put it, to be honest. Because like yeah. when, I, when you said that, I think of like, and I know some people aren't the most lyrical. I mean, you know, we're not the first people to really do this from Chicago. Obviously, you got Kanye, Lupe Fiasco. I love Chief Keef. I yeah. think Chief Keef is one of the greatest artists of all time. It's huh. all like a, a common thread there. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's it's there, but we just have different perspectives on it. Do you feel like, so Quinn, you're out of Chicago now. Did you feel a lot of love for what you and Brian were working on from your community in Chicago? This time around, yeah, I would say. Like yeah. from publications and people. In the past, not really. Because even to this day, when we played in Chicago, it was like the weakest show. So when we play this year, we'll see like the difference. But they always said you got to blow up somewhere else before you get accepted from where you're from. That's a very common thing in Canada. And it's really quite frustrating for everyone involved. Quentin, on Dead Men Tell No Lies, you actually have this line. Devil really stalking. I can see the pitchfork. Fuck a publication and them crackers up at Pitchfork. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, did I hear that right? And then, like, because I had the album in advance before it came out. And then you got reviewed in Pitchfork. And as I recall, they liked it. Is that right? <laughs> that's such a, that's, I love how that's a topic. Everybody, like, talks about that. That is right. They actually liked it. That's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. But you, you're dissing. That's crazy. You are dissing them a little bit in the song. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. At the time, I was I was fed up with all these people that wasn't paying attention to us, like Fantano and Pitchfork, and now they're paying attention to us. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. So I remember, like, I hit up the writer. I was like, hey, man, I was in a different spot. I was like, hey, don't take it personally. He was like, oh, no, it's all cool. It has no effect on my review. Yeah. He well, was like, I actually like that. And I think a lot of writers are fed up because of what's going on with Pitchfork, too. So Yeah, as we're speaking, it's... Uh it's confusing. I. It's one of those things where they announced that it was done, but it's still living mm-hmm. like a zombie. And like it's yeah. it's the website's still up. You can go and there's new content. They just have. Uh, they're doing what all these corporations are doing. They're getting rid of all their paid staff and then sort of scabbing it out, scabbing out the work to freelancers because it's cheaper for them to pay freelancers mm, cheaper. So I, didn't know that. I know, like that's interesting. So do you feel like Brian? Do you feel like you guys being the squeaky wheel? And complaining actually got you some press? <laughs> yeah, at the time I heard the verse, I was like, dude, if we get some, if we get like recognized and looked at, I, <laughs> I don't think they gonna like it. I don't, uh, or they could be that, that smash mouth company that's like, yeah, y'all could talk about us. Y'all could say whatever we want. Yeah. You know, the Kanye, the press is the press. Like when they, when they got back and was like, yeah, yeah, we gonna, we're going to cover it. I'm like, what? And they put us, they put I didn't us on, know what to uh, make of that. They put us on the eight albums to check out in January. Yeah. No, you, so clearly they were feeling yeah. it. Um, yeah. Well, for any young artists listening, I hope this is a lesson for you. Um, make fun of every publication you want coverage from, and they'll come calling. They'll, they'll, it seems to work. I don't know how. I got to start doing that. Man, that podcast thing I, sucks. I, I want to say... <laughs> I don't know if we're like the first people to do. I don't know. I was talking about this with my friend the other day. I was like, man, are we the first people to like diss Pitchfork and get a decent like score? I don't know. I'm sure. And I looked that up. That was on some flexing shit. Yeah, it was good. It's a it's a great line. It caught my ear as well. And I, like I say, I heard it. I'm like, well, that's interesting. It's not unusual for uh, musicians to. Usually, what I'll say is this. 
Usually when I see artists complaining about a site like that, it's on Twitter. It's on a social media post. I can't think of too mm. many who have put it in a song and then had, mm. and then the record gets, re- yeah, you know what? Unprecedented. Angry black men doing <laughs> unprecedented shit, like uh, complaining and getting a nice review. The fact that it was a nice review, even as I recall, it was a good review, right? It was a positive review. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was that's positive, yeah. No, it was, it's, it's, I was told, I was told anything higher than a seven is actually really good. Yeah. No, that's, it, that's great. I, I'm happy for you in that regard because. For better or for worse, I feel like that review came out just as all the chaos at Pitchfork was kind of going on too, right? Like it was that, mm-hmm. was it that week? So, but that site, have you noticed a bump, Brian? Like are people paying more attention to you since that review came out? Yeah, I noticed a, a significant bump, honestly, just with all the publications and uh, like, you know, all you guys just, cause, okay, without giving away anything, we know what the business is behind the scenes. You guys don't have to check this out and you guys don't have to sit here with us. And I've been enjoying this new ride. I've been, it's been a breath of fresh air. It's been tiring, but yeah. it's been a breath of fresh air. I can tell you that. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm, I, I hope it continues. I hope it's enjoyable because as some of the heroes you mentioned, uh, both of you mentioned, like, you know, they burned out a little bit on stuff like this. The, yeah, the but then we run into people like you, and you just like re you real you. I want to say reawaken me with your questions and just your concerns, because you know been on past interviews and people just they wouldn't ask the right questions. I guess what is very like face value act. Yeah, yeah it'd be face value questions, and it wouldn't be. Uh, personal questions like you asking, man, and like it really sit here and make me think, like, dang, what do I want to tell this dude? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's <laughs> when I know this. I have a question. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brian. When you said people burned out, you good. were you talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman? Uh, not necessarily just Philip <laughs> okay, Seymour Hoffman, okay. but yeah, no, not just him. Why did he come to mind? Oh, I mentioned him on a bar, and I was like, is he talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, well, you mentioned a lot of, like, there are a couple of things I wanted to get to, actually. Uh, the sound of your group, like the actual production is remarkable and it it's noisy and fucked up and I like it. It reminds me of an artist here in Canada, some of his earliest records, a guy named uh, Cadence Weapon, used to make Ooh. these like fucked up beats and I really loved them. And at the time I was like, who's making beats like this? No one. And it's because he just had shitty gear and shitty Ooh. computer and it just sounded really fucked up and great. Um, so I want to ask you about the sound as it complements the lyrics. And also, like I was getting to, you mentioned Philip Seymour Hoffman. I can't keep track of all the kind of cinematic and literature references. Uh, you know, Brian's too busy to watch a lot of TV or movies. We've already established <laughs> that, and that's fine. But there's a lot of references to film. Who, uh, Quentin, I'm just going to go to you on this. Are you the film buff here? Oh, yeah. Most of that is me. Okay. <laughs> I, I ain't got okay. no life like that. Now let me stop. <laughs> and 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 this this album in particular was motivated by or rather inspired by I Am Legend, the novel, is that correct? Yeah, the title for the most part. And some yeah. of the themes in it kind of tied into it coincidentally because that's an iconic book and it's just timeless. But no, yeah, the, the title of course. It's about a time uh following uh the beginning of a pandemic. So I assume it resonated for you in that regard as well? Kind of, sort of. The plot of the book is essentially like 
the main character is the boogeyman of the new society. And I feel like black men are the boogeyman of America. Yeah. Did you feel like it was getting any better in America there for a spell? We're talking about Chicago. I will invoke Barack Obama uh, in that time in our lives only because his election, you know, I know there's lots of people, particularly uh, the far left, who have a lot of problems with his policies and and Mm -hmm. the way things went. But I also feel like even in Canada, we I think people felt like, okay, we were making some real progress here. Something has shifted. And then right after that, it felt like everything went back to like 1950. And like, what the hell happened? <laughs> what the fuck? Right. How can it go from that to like make America great again? What are they actually talking about? Well, make it worse, actually. Make it worse for most people. So, so anyway, Chicago is just the city of Chicago between Kanye, Barack Obama, Chance, I don't know who else. Just been shaping culture in the last little while. And some to that, I don't know if it's just because it's a Midwestern city. It's cold. You got to, you got to be tough. I don't know. But, uh, when you say that the black man is the boogeyman in the world, do you think it's, I I think it's worse now than it was pre Obama. Do you have any way of distinguishing between the periods I'm talking about? Like, did you feel like we were, you do please? I do. I do. Cause I was, uh, I was pretty young when Obama first got elected, but I remember that the first president I remember is Bush, and then after Bush, Bush's kid was it the second one? You know, nine eleven Bush. That's the first one I remember. George W. Obama George W. Around. Bush. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That guy. That guy. So I, I vaguely remember how I was before that, but I definitely remember how I was after, and I feel like I don't know. There was just a bubbling fraction of people that was really upset with Obama's uh his rise or whatever you want to call it. His face, his rise, his position in power. And then after he like left, it's just, man, it's like they expressed that once Trump got in. And I'm not saying like all Trump people are racist or anything, but it, let's be real here. It's like a, a decent segment of people that just don't like progress, whatever progress is, in my opinion. Like they don't care for seeing this black shit, this black face. That they they don't want none of that, and if they could be real with themselves on that shit, we would be in a better position. You yeah. know, yeah. Brian, do you have a perspective on what we're talking about? Kind of the, um, I don't know how to put it, but it's the the rise and fall of progress in your country in particular. Like, that's my perspective on it. Do you have a perspective on it? Yeah, it was just like the rise and fall of the country is 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 going to continue to do that. You know, what happened in the past is going to come back around eventually and it's just like what do we do when it comes back around again Mm. because all all of these these parades we've had i think i explained it on headshots like criminalizing all the laws that we hate i explained it on headshots we stand to do a world parade criminalizing all the laws we hate it was more like a that was just saying like we out here protesting but what's going to come about that after we do it? Because it's going, something's going to happen again. The government's going to toy with us again, and then we're going to be protesting again. And it's mm-hmm. like, how long? How long do we have to keep fighting against our government? Like, when are we going to ever trust our government? We're, yeah. we're never. I feel like we're never going to get to that point. And, and to add to that's what this man saying. I don't want to cut you off, Brian. But I, don't, I feel like it was a lie, it. bro. It was a lie. Like that shit was never really progress. People were lying to themselves. Mm. 
Like it, it was like a false pro- progression. Like that's how I feel. I, I, I used to think it was progress, but now seeing how really people really feel and talk, I'm like, it was a lie. These people never really changed. Yeah. They were just pretending to be on board. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Obama years, and I don't mean to uh, suggest this is his fault or anything like that, but societally, maybe that was just a band aid. And now it was. with Trump, the band aid came off. Yeah. And now we see, now, the, now we see the wound and it's horrible. It's infected. And, and honestly, yeah. I'm tired of being toyed with. Yeah. So what do we do? What do we do? I mean, I know Quentin moved to New Mexico. Like, do we all go to New Mexico? What do we do? I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, really got to come together. We really got to come together. Like, despite all this race, because in a minute, and this is my opinion, and I'm not no fucking philosopher, like this race shit, and I kind of, it, it plays a part, but it's going to be a, a time where it's going to be like straight class. This race shit is going to hold very little weight in probably the next couple hundred years. In my opinion, I think this is becoming a more class oriented struggle. And yeah. the race shit is just there to divide people. And I'm not saying that, you know, people get like that, you know. I'm not saying that to say it doesn't have anything to do with it. It plays a part, but slowly and slowly. I, I look around New Mexico in general. It's like a lot of broke white people. Yeah. Like, they're out here struggling. Yeah. And it's like, but I, but you're better than me, right? Like, you're, you're, you have white skin. What's going on? Why, why is, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying all white people. And I know that's not a lot of them. But it's something to be said. It's a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I mentioned the music and I want to ask about it. Um, Brian, can you characterize the sort of sonic approach that you and Quentin have to these songs? Because it's it's a bit unusual in some ways for hip hop uh, on the one hand, but I'm, like I say, I'm pretty steeped and noisy, I guess more artsy hip hop. So I just enjoy it. But can you talk about your approach to beats and where they come from? Yes, actually the taste for the beat switched when um, we joined forces with um, this one record label. Uh, do, you, do you remember the record label name? Q was uh, Hassaw Mountain. Yeah, I think it was Hassaw Mountain. It was that track, that one track we did. Hassaw Mountain. Yeah, it was that one track that like really changed the tone for us That where we were making that talk shit like, and I feel like had we not ran into a beat like that, we would have stayed kind of like on talk shit vibes for these other uh, three projects we came out with within the last few years. Yeah, so yeah. That, yeah. But with with that that record was called Cohen Bros that we did, oh. and uh, the producer was Khaki Blazer. He is what changed my my taste to doing opening up to like those sonic weird uh, spare the moment you would hear like a weird static sound in the middle of the instrumental which would throw your regular drill artists off but like us our artistry we didn't hear that and go in the studio and freestyle we stayed listening to them beats for like weeks maybe even a month sometimes even months we would just be listening to them beats because it'd be hard to jump into a pocket and it became challenging it it became like uh, almost like tetris with with words right that's a good way of putting it yeah that's interesting in itself are you I don't. I know we've talked a little bit about influences and, and sounds and whatnot. I wonder if either of you are particularly fond of punk uh, and sort of noisier distortion and stuff like that. Because I, I pick up on well, you say your taste change, Brian, but I'm just curious of punk as a whole and the notion, the freedom of punk and the noise making in punk 
is some sort of influence per se. Quentin, can you speak to that? Is are you particular fans of like louder punk music? Jesus, I am. I'm a huge fan of Bad Brains. I love punk music. Bad Brains in particular. Yeah, I like Bad Brains a lot. And to go okay. on uh, to add with Brian with the sound, I mean, really, like that track that he was talking about, it opened us up to different stuff. But Derek was already on his third producer. He was already on his own thing. He doesn't really even mm-hmm. care for like modern day hip hop. Just to uh, clarify that more, he's on his own thing with that. He's He likes Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. He likes Public Enemy. So you can hear like the Bomb Squad and that. But uh, I think had we not did the Khaki Blazer track, we would be we wouldn't jump on stuff like this. But Derek was already on that type of shit, right? I see. But okay. uh, yeah, I feel like our stars aligned when we met Derek because we were just coming from that, and then when he started sending stuff like that, but it was probably a little more attainable and a little more catchy. It was like, yo, why do we feel like this is right up our alley? And we was like, yeah, this may be too weird for the public, but we don't care. Let's put it together, see what it do, put it out. It's art. We're making something different. I'm tired of listening to the Little Dirts, the Chief Keefs. I, I didn't want to in, in, include in Chance Rapper, even though he's been a big influ, influence in the Chicago scene, but it all still kind of sounds the same. Yeah. No, and I, I, I don't think you're the only one who feels that way. Like I say, I'm just, I'm rediscovering hip hop through my son. And I've kind of come and gone with it in more recent years because I'm just like, I know this is reductive because uh, a lot of music doesn't really say anything. Pop music, rock music, like, what are you saying? You're singing about love and who gives a shit? You know what I mean? But like, I like stuff that says stuff. I, I like stuff that makes me think about the world and not just whatever, navel gazy bullshit. Like I lost my girlfriend. Fuck you. Who cares? Everyone does that. Like you. you know what I mean? So like, I I just think like, say, if you're going to do something, say something. And I just want to commend you both for saying stuff because hmm. uh, it gets to me and it makes me think about stuff. And obviously, Brian, I'm worried about you. So you've, I, I, I hope you're okay. You got me thinking about you. And I'm like, I hope Brian's okay. That's what I think sometimes. But also I'm like, yeah, fuck, this band's amazing. I love this record so much. So I just want to say that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Kurt Cobain on one of your songs. It's not a great or fun image that where he's alluded to, but it made me think of Nirvana and I like Nirvana and I, I see, I hear the freedom and the exploration of sound and, and spirit within you guys. So I just want to say that. I hope that was any of that coherent. Did that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Like, like, like I'm a fan of okay. all that shit. Like I love Nirvana, I love bad brains. So it's cool that you see that, you know? Yeah. That track was actually inspired by a Biggie song called Suicidal Thoughts. Yes. Yes. Yes, I picked up on that too. Yeah. That's it's Suicidal Tendencies is the song, right? Yeah. I had to change it up yeah. a little bit. I said, that's my Biggie. That's my Biggie on this Suicidal Tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, I'm a fan of all that though. All the sounds. No. I just I love I love punk. I just I'm thinking about that because I'm like, damn, we really do. I think it's just people hear people hear this, they expect a certain hip hop sound, especially being from Chicago. And I think they're very happy when they're like, Oh, this is actually some different shit. You know what I'm saying? Sound and lyric yeah. lyrically. So I'm glad that people like you are picking up on that. Cause like I said, I love, there's a band called death that I'm really getting into now, mm-hmm. man. I love, uh, black flag, Henry Rowe. Oh yeah. Huge fan. Huge. Fan. Nice. Brian, do you got any like uh, rock faves, like sort of guitar oriented things? Yeah, I actually, 
I do. I like um, this band called Cheap Trick. Chicago's own, um, the, the I, great Chicago band, <laughs> Cheap Trick. Yes, nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I like. Uh, I love ACDC. I like to listen to them a lot. Who else? Oh, honey, honey. What's the name of that song? Sugar, sugar. You are my candy. Yeah, you like the sugar, sugar song, and you got me. Yes, I love that song <laughs> so much. I, I, I'm afraid to like say that I like a lot of these songs, but then people be asking me more questions, and I'll be like, "Wait, hold on, just the song." <laughs> I don't like the band. I love you so. Well, I, I, no, I like the band because of the song. Yeah. It's just my memory don't be the greatest, so it's like. Then like it'd be just like have a conversation with this man. You like, did you watch it? I'm like, I did, but I gotta watch it again to uh, sure. fully have it burnt in my memory. <laughs> oh, you know, it's hard to answer questions on the spot. You're doing a great job, and I just want to say, you know, I just want to figure out where this sound is coming from. It's a your your angry black men have a very distinctive and unique sound, and I just want to get at it. So I appreciate that, and I can hear hell. I even hear a little sugar, sugar in some of your songs. It's a, it's a little. <laughs> It's a little Ooh. cheery, but I can hear it. I can hear a little bit of it. Yeah, it's psychedelic, hazy. I appreciate it. I yeah. <laughs> I, I want to put, put some more in there. I like, I'm actually, without trying to give it away, but it's a little spoiler alert, but I'm getting more in the mood for soft rock. Yeah. Well, Ooh. if you if you think of it, we talked about Outkast. Think about their one of their biggest songs is Hey Ya. Kind of sounds like Sugar Sugar. Like it's almost a similar kind of, Sweet pop song, don't you think? It yeah. is not. Think about it. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, like hip hop has been doing that though. Hip hop is like, like I said, we got JPEG Mafia you now. Like we wouldn't have had him twenty years ago. Right. Right. Exactly. So I feel yeah, like no. you guys, in like the next couple of years, top of the charts. You're gonna make something that everyone <laughs> loves, and then we're gonna like, oh, Angry Black Men. The number one album in America is by Angry Black Men. Everyone. That's what everyone's gonna say. I think that's crazy. Oh, <laughs> we'll man. see what happens. I appreciate that. Now I want to ask you uh, what's next. I also want to ask you where people can go to learn more about angry black men. So uh, first, Brian, do you know where people should go on the internet to learn more about your group and uh, this great new record at this point? Go to Google. You guys, Google is the best. Pl- no, <laughs> uh, go to Instagram, man, go to, Fat beats, go to Def Bomb, check them out, put them on, follow Q, Angry Black Mujiwara, follow me, Angry Black Bemo, and go to Instagram, Angry Black Ben <laughs> underscore, you know where it's at. That was a really good upsell. You did a great job. Everyone's going to go to those things. I will link to those things in the show notes. Uh, Quentin, what's kind of coming up next for Angry Black Men? Are you working on new stuff? Any tour dates? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, we got some, we got a really cool show that we're about to play this summer that I'm going to keep under the wraps. But, um, yeah, it's actually a big deal. Um, as far as new music, I'm not sure yet. We got a little stuff cooking, but it's not an album or anything. We're just kind of taking it easy right now. Okay. But okay. A little something here and there. In other words, we got another baby in the oven. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it, it won't be. Big it won't news. Be, won't be what we're doing now. It'd be something different. If we do another. Yeah, I can. I think this is, yeah, this would be the last of, you know. This, I want to say sound, but this era. It sounds like you were split between two eras as you moved and the yeah. world changed. So I wouldn't be surprised if the next thing we hear is completely different. Uh, this big show, I know you can't say too much. 
will it happen to be happening in Chicago by any chance? It, it will. <laughs> okay, I think I think I know what's going on. I think I know what's happening. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll give easy. people a little bit of a clue. <laughs> it's even more ironic too. That's the funny part. I'll leave it at there. Yeah. I think I know what's happening, and I'm going to leave it there myself. If we can go out on a song uh, from this uh, record, I was hoping you guys would pick a uh, pick something from the Legend of ABM. Now I'm going to go to one mm. of you, and the other one has the chance to dispute the selection, and then we can have a short debate about what's uh, what song we're going to go out on. So I'm going to go to Brian first. Brian, can you pick a song from uh, uh, the Legend of ABM for us to go out on, and, and tell us why it came to mind? Yeah, oh, I'm gonna oh. go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with summertime. Ooh, yeah, let's go, let's go. I was okay, I think, say that shit. I think we. Oh, we have agreement. We have full unanimous consent to Absolutely. play sabotage. And why did that come to mind, though, Brian? Because first off. Q was like me on Stanley Kubrick. He was eating at that shit. Yeah. He just kept on going, and uh, he was just spitting the truth. And I was, I was spitting like some really dark truths about me, and it was it just got really personal on that track. So I, I like to go out on that one. That's my end. Okay, and Quentin, you were excited for it too. Why did you, it sounds like you would have picked it? Why did that come to mind for you? I feel like uh, sabotage is just like the track, like. Uh... I don't know. It's just it's a it's a good track to go off on. I feel. Okay, I think I alluded to it during our talk too. I feel like I mentioned that song, so this makes yeah, sense it, to me. It's all uh, cylinders. Lyrically, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, this is "Sabotage" by Angry Black Men from their wonderful new record, "The Legend of ABM," which I hope you all listen to. Quentin Brian, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with me uh, today. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I hope we speak again someday. And and otherwise, Absolutely. best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. It's an honor to oh. be here. I'm going to follow you on the socials. You hit, you're on everything, right? Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm on some stuff. Yeah, you could do that. Thank you. This <laughs> <laughs> is funny. I want you to follow me because you've been like a great interviewer. Yeah, like, you're I, honest, I, I man. Love you, dude. Yeah, oh, wow. you don't never talk this much, man. I'm going to be real. I was listening to this. I'm like, this nigga really out here, boy. Like, oh, well, geez. I, I appreciate that. Well, I'll follow you right now. I'll get off this call. We'll play this song here. Everyone enjoy Sabotage. <laughs> And we'll talk to you soon. Brian, Quinn, thanks again. No, thank you. Thank you. And I felt defeated, routine repeated Fuck motivation, too complacent Battle scars for demons, some are dead and some are fed Depending on the season, like myself, I'm my own life Mind ain't living right, thinking about a dream I'ma scream if it ain't taking flight Roll over, look at slight, moral of the story Those before me, please wait in line I've been waiting so long, I thought about suicide Not being on the surf, the crowd live a lot Got some real regrets to hold down inside I pop captures, first time night came alive Pound the legs through the bed, gave me head and then I cried I'm the nicest man to talk, but the villain deep inside Always keep a step ahead, so you don't waste my time Adolescent growing up Focusing on major strife Family went they separate ways When my grandmother died She taught me how to be a man And not to have shit to have Pace running very low Bullshit I can't let that fly Germaphobe and mess up I guess my trauma never dies You sabotaged my ass society And the cops 
and the system. I used to be a lame to my bars like concrete. Feeling myself, ain't nobody that can stop me. Brian got the car keys, now we on the road. Derek on the tracks, making beats, he composed. Feeling kind of bold when I hit you with your throat. Rather be dead than a motherfucking broke nigga. I just want to go bigger, doing shit incredible. Underground rapping is a pair for my medical. Got to pay electrical, bills on my schedule. Taxable, still got me chasing for the capital. Trapped like an animal, America the cannibal. Penny bitches still trying to keep up with the annual. Funds when they coming in, still got me struggling. I ain't never stopping till the money come tumbling. Stumbling, still got to eat though, spinning on a beat. Moving through the game, still playing with a cheap code. Shots like a free throw on my death curry shit. Running from the past cause I'm still trying to bury it. Life is a dirty bitch, fucking with a rubber arm. Say it with my chest, I ain't got a stutter now. Hit him with another one, these bars coming quick though. They said we underrated, man. Y'all niggas been cold, go from the get go. Still making hits, run up on the beat and push it. I tiptoe. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It was very, very nice to speak with Quentin and Brian from Angry Black Men. We we got along very well there, and uh, yeah, I, I'm just very happy to help them and support them and talk about them with you guys if you didn't know them and uh, very honored that they gave me some time they're stars on the rise so thank you Quentin and Brian for being on this the 838th episode of Creative Control which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available where everyone uh, really gets their podcasts it should be on all of those things if you can't for some reason find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also follow or like uh, Creative Control on various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads. There's a YouTube channel. Most of the uh, links to those things are on my link tree, which you can uh, click on there in the show notes where it says follow Vish online. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. Keep this podcast going and also to get some perks. You get bonus content and uh, you get episodes earlier than everybody else at certain tiers from basically from the $4 tier onwards. You get ad free episodes, no promos, no nothing. And uh, yeah, at the $6 level, that's when the exclusive content uh, kicks in. 
And it's fun. I like, I've been enjoying of late just going through my old audio archives and finding things. Uh, as I'm speaking to you, I found uh, 2009 interviews I did with Lee Ronaldo and Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth about the Eternal, the final Sonic Youth album. And uh, sadly, I found a, a demo Suzuki interview I did uh, back when I was still pretty new to doing uh, radio interviews, 2005, I think it was. And uh, that's for free, actually. I didn't put that in under any pay tier because sadly, demo passed away. Anyway, I'm enjoying going through my audio archives, and uh, when I find things that I think you might like, I put them at that $6 or more tier generally. So, yeah, there's some fun aspects to the uh, Patreon. There's prize packs now. As I'm speaking to you, we're doing a merge prize pack, merge records prize pack. Anyway, if you want to learn more about that, support me and my work and the show and get some more stuff, Patreon uh, slash Creative Control. Thank you very much. I also want to thank uh, Blackbird Music for their support of this show. You can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. I want to thank my pal Jim Guthrie for lending me some music for this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Angry Black Men. I hope you'll check out their music. They seem like very sweet and uh, I I think very smart, thoughtful guys. Uh, so yeah, check out their music. Uh, subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it if you, if you don't mind. And uh, yeah, I will talk to you soon. I hope you're well. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.